Now it's green. We're ready to roll. Okay, for you, those of you that don't know, my name is Fess Brown. Uh, Kenny left me with a couple things to do. I, I'm the chief cook and bottle washer around here. So uh, he neglected to say that uh, sunrise service for Easter is going to be at 730. There will be breakfast afterward. Uh, being as I'm going to cook it, i got pretty good authority that we're going to have a full breakfast. Uh, tenderloin, bacon, sausage, uh, eggs, gravy, and biscuits, and hadn't decided whether we'll have rice or grits, but we will have one or the other. Uh, that'll be after sunrise and between the regular service at 9. Uh, the week after that, about everybody's going to be out of town April the 11th, including me, so there's probably just going to be snacks. Somebody will make coffee and put snacks out, so if you're really hungry, you probably need to stop meat on the road before you get here. That's April the 11th. Uh, I also want to repeat what Kenny said. It's uh, good to see old faces back, and it's good to see new faces. I uh, want to invite you to just turn loose and worship, because that's what it's all about. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, we may look a little different than what we used to, but we're not. We're all children of the King. We all want to praise Him, and it all that matters is we believe in Jesus and he's our hope. And I'm telling you, in the world today, that's a good thing because there's not much else to put our hope in. The verses from today is out of Psalms 118, 1 and 2, and then 19 through 29. ESV says, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing it is, his mar it is marvelous in it, our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, in lieu of the offering plates, we now have a box in the back. I want to remind everybody there uh, and how important it is that we worship in that way also. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come this morning in thanksgiving for we are truly blessed. Not only, Father, do we have opportunity, Father, which each new day is, Father, opportunity. Not only, Father, have you given us the breath of life, Father, but you've given us brothers and sisters to gather with in praise, Father. Father, let us be thankful for the abundance you provide, Father, for we are provided for in abundance. Father, help us, Father, to be good stewards, Father, not only of what you've given, Father, but, but 
what you ask as well, Father. Help us to proclaim you in a bold and mighty way, Father. Put the very words in our mouth, Father, that you be glorified. You promise, Father, that if you're glorified, that you'll call me into yourself, Father. And that's what it's all about. Father, we thank you for this day, Father. And, and ask, Father, you prepare our hearts to worship, Father. You allow us to recognize, Father, that you accept what we bring, Father. That you love us the way we are, Father, and not the way we want to be, Father. That you see through to the heart, Father. And that's where you won't change to begin. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, Father, for, for this time to come into the throne room of grace, Father. To proclaim you, Father. To tell the world around me, Father, that the prayers we put up have already been answered. Just a matter of us being waitful to wait on you to, to show us, Father, how the answers come to pass. Father, we have confidence. We have faith. We have Jesus in our hearts. Father, what more could we need? Father, we thank you and we love you. We come to you in Jesus Christ's name.
worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore So bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul I worship His own His holy name and sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. Yes, I worship your holy name. God will worship your holy Every heart 
worship you. I worship you. Yes, you are here and you're turning lives around. And I worship you. Yes, I worship you. You are here. Father, we're grateful that we can gather in your house this morning. That we can gather in this place and we can worship you. We can worship you in spirit and in truth. We can worship you as a family of faith. We can worship you because you are great and awesome and mighty and worthy to be praised. So God, we pray that as we are gathered here this morning, God, that you would hear our prayers 
And God, that you would answer them. God, we pray that you would be with us as we worship, that you would find our worship to be, God, a fragrant scent, an offering unto you. God, I pray that you remove any distractions from our heart, anything, God, that that deceives our mind, that you would remove those things so that we can worship you, that we can focus on you fully, that we can be guided by your Spirit. God, we are grateful for your truth. God, we pray for for many this morning who are sick. God, some who are dealing with, with illnesses for which there is no known cure, and yet, God, we know... God, we know that you're with us in, our midst, in the midst of our despair and heartache. You, we know that you give comfort to us, God, when things are difficult. And so, Heavenly Father, we just ask, God, we just ask that you be with those who are sick. God, that you bring about healing if it be your will. And that they and their families be comforted in your spirit. God, we pray for our nation. God, we pray that you would send a great revival in your church and that that revival would spread across, God, many, so many who desperately need to know you. God, we pray that our hearts would be obedient to your word, that we would go from this place today living the life you've called us to live. God, we're grateful. We're grateful above all else that you have given us your son Christ, that in him we have life, we have hope, we have peace. And so we can rejoice this morning knowing that we belong to you, that you are our Heavenly Father, that we are your children, and that, God, you love us so very much. God, again, guide our worship this morning. Let it be pleasing to you, and let us honor your name as we pray in Christ's name.
praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect Father, we pray that that is the truth, that no matter where we go, no matter who we are, Father God, that all day long it's just your story, it's your song, it's your love that permeates out of our lives. Father God, we pray that we would be filled with your goodness, that we would be lost so much in your love that the world around us can't help but to feel a difference in us, to see a difference in us, and to know that there's something that we have that they need. Father God, this morning we just pray that you would continue to work in our lives, Father God, that you would help us to continue to worship you, Father God, and not just in song, Father God, not just in prayer, but Father, that we would worship you in the way that matters sometimes the most, in sacrifice of us so that you may become more. Father God, we pray that we would lower the barriers that prevent us from being who you've called us to be, that we would let your word take over our lives, Father God, that we would let your message resonate in our hearts so that we may become what you have called us to be, your hands, your feet. Father God, that we may spread the good word, the message that so long ago you set a way for us to set. Father God, we love you, we worship you, and we just praise you this morning. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated.
Any other kids for children's church? As you can see on the screen, you better buckle up because we're going to do a lot of verses this morning. You get to sit for half of them, so. Well, good morning, and we want to welcome you to First Baptist Eichert. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are uh, very glad that you are with us, and we uh, do hope that you are made to feel welcome, and we hope that you will uh, visit with us again very soon. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 is where we will be this morning. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to, to look in just a moment. Verses 1 through 12. If you're turning there, uh, it's, it's been mentioned, and you'll hear it mentioned for the next uh, several weeks. Uh, you'll notice the shelf that we have up here uh, on the stage. And we are going to, hopefully during the month of April, fill up this shelf, and we can fill it up several times over uh, if, if necessary, uh, in support of the Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina. Every spring, uh, they do a food roundup where they collect food uh, from churches and Baptist associations all across the state, and that food uh, and non-perishable food items goes uh, to uh, the various Baptist Children's Homes locations um, that are spread out across North Carolina. And this food helps uh, them as they are caring uh, for children in need, both children uh, who are orphans and children in foster care. And so uh, we're going to be collecting that. There is a list in the back um, uh, on the back table that you can get, and probably many of you picked that up this morning, uh, and you can uh, pick items on that list. If you can, we would encourage you to you know, take that to the grocery store with you when you go shopping and maybe pick up a couple extra things that you could check off uh, on that list and then bring it here uh, starting next Sunday and, and actually take it and, and place it uh, on the shelf, and we're going to kind of keep that organized up there and, uh, and collect that food uh, so that um, we can give that uh, at the end of the month uh, to the Baptist Children's Home. And we know uh, that they'll put that to uh, good use there in their ministry. So the food roundup, again, the paper in the back, and you can get that on your way out. I want to invite you, uh, if you're able this morning, to stand with me as we read Acts chapter 13. And as we read it, we want to think about this idea. What, what is the Lord called us, what has he commissioned us uh, to do as his people? Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. 
And when they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. And Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the Lord for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw that what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You may be seated. We have here an important moment in the history of the church, and we've seen that multiple times. Here is the place where Barnabas and Saul, who from this point will be commonly called Paul, his Greek name as he is there, and, or rather his Roman name as he's there and ministering to the people in these areas. We have them commissioned and sent out on what becomes known as their first missionary journey. Now we know that they've already done a lot of preaching and teaching. There's already been what we would call mission work taking place. But, but as we look at the scope of what happens, this, this is where they take off on their missionary journey and where many people will come to faith. They are called together in this moment of worship, called together and, and sent out to go and to proclaim the good news. And that's exactly what they do. As we think about this, I, I want us to realize that as, as Christians this morning, if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to go and to tell other people about Him. You are commissioned in the same way that these two men were sent out. And you may not be sent out on this type of missionary journey where you are traveling from place to place far from home. But the reality is that we have all been called and we have all been commissioned. We are a commissioned people. We are not to be a complacent people. We are not to be a people of inactivity. But we are called to be a commissioned people. We are called as a commissioned people to go and tell others the good news that Christ has come. We've been sent just as they are sent. But to be sent, we need to understand this commission that we have been sent by. This journey that we have. We think about it in terms very often of the great commission that we see Jesus give in Matthew 28. Go, He says, go and make disciples. 
Go and make disciples. Go and teach them all that He has commanded. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We know this. We've heard this. It is our sending orders. What does it mean to be commissioned? What does it look like for Paul and Barnabas here that they are commissioned to go by the power of the Spirit and tell others about Jesus? That's what I want us to look at this morning as we go through this passage. This this commissioning that we've been given, what does it look like? What are the, the challenges that we face? First, we see in verses 1 through 3 that, that these two men, and they take others with them, but they're the primary leaders of this journey. They were commissioned in a time of worship. They're gathered together here. Prophets and teachers were told the church of Antioch. We have this list of men's name, and we find out in verse 2, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. They're worshiping, and in that time of worship is when the Spirit calls them out. When they're gathered together, they're they're praying together, they're no doubt singing together, they're sharing the Word of God together, they're fasting together in this time of worship. In that time, God sends them out. What does it tell us? It tells us that they are gathered together as a group of believers, gathered in one place together, They're having a church service, and that's when God moves in their life. It comes out of their worship experience. Friends, if we want to be where God wants us to be, if we want to be who God wants us to be, friends, that comes out of our worship of God. This idea that we're out on our own, kind of doing it on our own, and and God's going to send us in that way. Friends, it's foreign to what Scripture says, because the Scriptures tell us to, to gather together, to worship together, and from that worship, God moves. We see that not only biblically, but we see that historically. So many of the great moves of God in history have been when His people have got together and worshiped. They've got together and prayed. They've got together and fellowshiped together. They've got together and fasted together. And in that time, God has moved dramatically. You notice here, there's, there's not a lot of them there. It's a, a small group gathered together. And yet in that time of, of fellowship together and, and intimacy together in worship, God moves in a mighty way and He sends them out. We think about Paul being the one that that wrote so much of our Bible, being the one that that took the Gospel so very far on his journeys. But he is here, just one of the believers gathered when the Spirit moves. It was ultimately the Spirit's work that made him who he is. It wasn't because he was so great or so smart or so enlightened. It is because he is called out by God in this moment and God sends him to go where he would have him to go. This should not be lost on us. Because it would be easy for us to think as we have gathered here to worship this morning that God could only call someone who was great and mighty. That that God could only use someone who who is extremely smart or is an extremely gifted speaker. 
But that's not the case here. They are simply gathered in worship. In fact, we have more information about several of these men than we do Saul and Barnabas, who are the ones who are ultimately called out. And yet it should not be lost on us that that Saul's life has prepared him for what is about to happen. Because Saul himself was someone who rejected God and stood against God and stood against Jesus' name being proclaimed to people. And what happened on a road as he is walking to Damascus to persecute the church, Jesus meets him there and blinds him because of his persecution. Jesus on that road makes Paul dependent, or Saul rather, dependent upon other people to guide him where he's going to go. And in his first confrontation, when Saul, instead of standing against Jesus, stands for the truth, the man who is standing against Jesus by the end of this, chat, or this section that we read is left blind and needing someone to help him around. What had changed? He gathered now to worship Jesus, not stand against Him. These men were commissioned in a time of worship. Friends, understand that if you desire to do great things for God, He calls us out of that heart of worship. If we are neglecting that, if we are missing out on worship, if we are not committed to Him in that way, we are not preparing ourselves to do something great. But also understand this, that if you are a person who desires to worship God, it's very likely out of that worship He's going to call you to do something greater. Because friends, that's what we are called to do. We are not only called to worship Him, but we are called to point others toward worshiping Him. These men gathered there in this moment are commissioned in a time of worship. So what were they commissioned to do? Look what happens. They they leave. After fasting and prayer, verse 3, they laid hands on them and they send them off. And so what do they do? They, they're sent by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, they went to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the Word of God. They proclaimed the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. John Mark, who we think of as the author of Mark's Gospel. The commission was to proclaim the Word. That was their commission, to proclaim the Word. Anything and everything else they will do this entire missionary journey or any missionary journey they go on was proclaim the Word. Here they proclaim the Word in the synagogues of the Jews. They proclaim the Word later to this man who was the proconsul, this this. Uh, leader, this uh, secular political leader of the area they are in. They go to him and they proclaim the Word of God. We know by the end, verse 12, the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. His astonishment was not at the fact that, that when Paul got in this guy's face, which is what he did, he confronted this guy with the truth, 
He wasn't impressed because the guy ended up blind. I'm sure that struck a nerve. I'm sure that that piqued his interest. But he believes, he is is inundated, he he grasped the teaching of the Lord. It, It interested him. It astonished him, we are told. Their commission was to proclaim the Word. Friends, do you understand that as your commission in life? Your commission, your job, is not simply to be nice to people. Although that's a pretty good start, right? It's not not the best way to try to compel someone to follow Christ. It's not the best way to show someone the love of Christ if, uh, if, if we're just jerks about it, right? Doesn't really work that way. It's not a good starting point. They understood that their message was to proclaim the Word of God. That goes back again to the commission of Matthew 28. Teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded. Our our ministry to the world around us is not simply a ministry of, of showing mercy to people who are hurting. Though we certainly should. It's not simply a ministry of taking care of the needs that people have. It's not simply a ministry of felt needs where someone is hungry and we give them food, although we should. Where they are in trouble and we try to help them out, though we should. Where they are broken and we provide them counsel, though we should. The ministry that we have, the commission that Paul and Barnabas have on this trip is a commission to proclaim the Word of God. The truth of what God has done in Christ. The reality that God has made all that is and ever will be. But because of sin, we are separated from God and in need of a Savior. And so God sent His Son to come to dwell among us and to die in our place on a cross. It's something even with our youngest in our church that we teach them on Wednesday nights. With, with little sayings that, that begin to help them understand who they are and who God is when we say, Jesus died in my place. Something that simple is profound when we begin to contemplate it as adults in the reality that the wages of sin is death and without God, without Christ intervening, we would have to pay that penalty because we owe it. It's the debt that we owe because we have sinned against God. And yet Jesus died in our place. We proclaim that word, that good news. That without Him there is no hope, and yet with Him our hope is secure. With Him we understand that we are His, we belong to Him, and we will be with Him forever. Our Sunday night Bible study has been just that, the creation and the fall, the redemption And ultimately, the wonderful part that we look forward to each week in Bible study, restoration, where God sets all things right. Friends, do you understand that as your commission? Not simply to go and be good to people, to be nice to your coworkers or the people you go to school with, to be courteous to your neighbors and and helpful in their time of need. Your commission and my commission is to proclaim God's Word. 
to share with those who do not know that the reason I am nice to you as my coworker or my neighbor is because Christ has loved me. The reason I live the way I do is not because I am, I am moral or certainly not because I am self-righteous because I realize that, that I have no righteousness in and of myself, but my God has made me this way through Christ. The commission they have and the commission we continue to have today is that we would proclaim the Word. We would proclaim the Word. We read on as we go that they continue to share. They went through an entire island, the island of Paphos. They, they met this guy who was going to stand against them. And what do they do? They continue to share. They reached this secular leader, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. And he summoned them to come because he wanted to do what? Hear the Word of God. And that's what they shared with him. That's the reason. That's the reason they were such a threat to this man who, ironically, his name is Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus. And yet he was anything but the son of the living God. Why is he angry? Not because they're nice to the pro-council. Everybody was nice to the secular officials. Everybody wanted to warm up to them. Everyone, everyone wanted to be in their favor. Why is he angry? Because they are proclaiming the word. Which brings us to our third point. The commission faced opposition. Not everyone wanted them to be on this mission. Not everyone wanted them to fulfill the command of God. Elymas the magician, which is the meaning of his name. In other words, he was the magician named Bar-Jesus. He opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Why would he oppose them? Well, his position was very powerful in that day. He was the type of guy that would take all the different kind of religious beliefs and thoughts and, and kind of pull them together. And he would be the one who would seek to, to share the future and, and possibly have some, some abilities to do some, some healing or some manipulation at least. He was the type of person who would have had a lot of influence with this proconsul because the reality is that while none of these people believed in the living God, they believed in lots of different gods. In many ways, it's probably wrong to even call it a secular leader because he would have worshipped the, the pantheon of gods from the Romans and possibly the Greeks. In the area in which he lived, he may have even adopted some other religious beliefs of, of the other religions that surrounded that area because then most people, the, the vast majority of people, were religious in some way. And so this man is a magician being here in the court of this proconsul. He, he would have had a lot of influence. And with Paul and Barnabas coming in to share the Word of God, he could have quickly seen his influence waning. So he opposes them. He seeks to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He didn't want them to share any more truth. Because we know that truth has a cleansing effect. Truth, truth cleans up lies. It, it begins to expose where darkness is. That's the reality with truth in general. Any type of truth. 
If your position and your power are built on lies, it can very quickly go away when the truth is revealed. And so this commission that Paul and Barnabas are on, it faces stiff opposition from this man. He does not want anything to do with it. We need to understand that that the reality of the time we live in is that the commission faces opposition. And friends, quite honestly, it faces opposition both from outside the church and from within. The internal opposition is our own. Because if we want to follow through with what God has told us to do, it's going to be much more difficult than simply kind of doing the other things, right? It's, it's a lot easier just to, to get together on Sunday morning and, and to sing together and to shake one another's hands, maybe pre-COVID give everyone a hug and then go back out and feel like you have fulfilled what God has demanded of you for the week. And yet, we understand that the act of worship, it was the catalyst for the commission, not the end of the commission, right? It, it, was, it was what got things started for them to go on the journey that God had for them, not the ending point of the journey. How ridiculous would it read to us if we were here and we read through verses 1 and 2 and the Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them to do. And they had gotten done in verse 3 and they all hugged each other and went home. We would have stood here and went, they are being disobedient to what God has said. Will we not look at this and expect that in the next verse, judgment would fall down upon them? God's going to punish them for not listening to what He said. And yet, how often do we gather, replace these names with our own? Get to verse 2. Know that God has commissioned us to go. And then verse 3 is not fasting and prayer and being sent off. It's going home and eating lunch and going about our routine. How frequently is the greatest opposition to the mission that we have? Our own selves and our own hearts. How frequently is it our disobedience that means the commission does not get fulfilled? How many people sit at home this morning never having heard the word, not because of the opposition of our government or our culture, but because of the opposition of our own hearts? I think if we knew that number, it would be difficult to leave here today not broken. There's opposition to the commission that has been given And friends, frequently it is our own. And if it's not our own heart within the church, it's often others within the church who want to quelch any idea of going out and reaching people. Because the reality is, if we are going to go out and reach people for Christ, they will be people, many of whom will not be like us. They may be people with different educational backgrounds than we have. They may be people with different economic statuses than we have. They may be people who are different colors than we are. And how often have churches not fulfilled the commission that God has because they might have to reach someone who is different than they are. And how sad that is. 
and how much that makes us wonder what judgment day will be like when thinking about that reality. The opposition comes from our heart, it comes from within the church, and then the reality is it does come from without. It does come from those who are far from God. This man, he sees a threat to his position. He sees a threat to his job. He sees a threat to his security. And so he wants nothing to do with the gospel. He wants nothing to do with the truth because he will ultimately lose out if this man comes to faith. But can I tell you that I have sympathy for him much more than I do for us? He doesn't know God. He doesn't know God's Word. I'm not surprised when this man gives opposition to Paul and Barnabas. I'm not surprised when the world opposes us. I'm not surprised when a secular government or a secular society says that we should not be saying what we are saying. They do not know any better. They are far from God. The Spirit has not called them. It breaks our heart, but it should not surprise us. We must endure in the midst of opposition. For friends, let me promise you that if we deal with our own heart and we deal with ourselves as a church in making sure that we ourselves are obedient to the commission that God has and our church is obedient to the commission that God has, we will not be as concerned about the world and their opposition. It will not prevent us from doing what we have been called to do. Look what happens with Saul and Barnabas. They're not worried. Remember, the man they're standing against is, is already in good with the pro-council. He's already in good with the government. They already like him. But Paul and Barnabas are not afraid. Why? For the commissioned endure, endured with truth. The commission endured with truth. When they faced opposition, Paul and Barnabas, they're not afraid. When they endured opposition, they continued on because they had the truth on their side. Look what happens. You pick up in verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the truth is within him, looked intently at him, talking about the magician, and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you stop, not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? This magician was attempting to prevent this man, this proconsul, from walking the straight and narrow. The way to God is straight and narrow. The way to destruction is broad. He says, you're, you're preventing this. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. How amazing. That he would be struck blind just as Saul, now called Paul, had once been. What had that been like for him? It had been a life-changing moment, hadn't it? 
It had been a a life-altering moment when on the road to Damascus, Saul was struck blind. A a life-changing moment. We don't know what happens to this guy after this. We don't know if it's life-changing for him. But Paul knew it had been life-changing for him as he'd walked on that road and been struck blind. So we read that the man is blind. He's unable to see the sun. And immediately, there in verse 11, immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand because he was unable to see. He goes from this this pompous, arrogant moment where he is standing in opposition to God, the false prophet who had shared so many falsehoods for no telling how long, is brought low to where he had to seek someone to lead him about. He had led others astray as a false prophet for so long, and now he was seeking someone to lead him about because he had been struck down by God's truth. And so we're told in verse 12, the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The power of God, the power of of his word had brought this arrogant pompous man low and God uses this through his teaching to bring this proconsul this important man who led this entire community he was the government for this community he worked under the direction of the Roman Senate he was the authority and he come un- he comes under God's authority The commission, those who had been commissioned, Saul and Barnabas who were there, they endured with the truth. Friends, that's what we need to be confronted with ourselves. And that's what we need to be confronting the world around us with. We need to be confronting ourselves with the truth. If you examine your life this morning and you are quite satisfied not living out God's commission for your life, the question is, why? How could you claim to be His follower and not follow where He is sending you to go? Not where He might be sending you to go, but where He is sending you to go. When these men gathered together for worship, and the Spirit told them, go, I'm going to send Saul and Barnabas. Set them apart for the work for which I have called them. They did not continue on and saying, well, we need God to give us some more direction here. God, could you, uh, could you tell us more about where you're going to go? Could you tell us more about this journey? God, God is it going to be difficult? God, how much money do I need to put back for this? God, what kind of clothes do I need to pack? The Bible says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. The Spirit sent them out and they went where they were sent. So as you think about your own life, your own calling, your salvation, belonging to God, do you go 
where He has sent you to go? Are you enduring with the truth? Because here's the reality. The time in which we live, there are many in churches today who will not endure with the truth. They will will continue to claim the name of Christ, but they will not follow the truth that He has set. They have embraced the truth and lies of the world, but they will not embrace the truth of God. They will not go where He has sent them to go. They can only endure in this time of struggle, in this time of opposition, in this time where they don't know what this pro-council is going to do in response to what the magician has said. They simply endure with the truth. This is who God is. This is what God has done. This is how you know Him. They endure with the truth. So I would ask you this morning and challenge you this morning, are you living a commissioned life? You might say, I'm living a a Christian life and I've got my moral checklist and I check off those morals when I keep them and when I don't, you know, I might put a little mark out to the side and realize I need to work on this a little better. And all of that is perfectly fine. Christ's people should be moral people. You say, Pastor, I worship. I'm a, I'm a worshipful person. You know, some of you have, because of the virus, you, you've, you've stayed at home and, and guarded yourself, and this was wise to do, and we've all done that at various points and various stages over the last year. You say, Pastor, I really missed being in God's house. I've heard countless numbers of you say that because you're a worshipful person. You want to gather and worship. You want to have fellowship with the saints. Why? Because that's how God has made His people. He has made us desire to be with one another. And while we are gathered, worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that is a good thing. But if you're moral and worshipful, but not commissioned, We've got a problem. Because God has called us to take this this faith that has been made personal to us where He has saved me. Not as some collective, although He has saved us into a collective of His church, He has saved me. He died on the cross for me and my sin. But He has called me to take this this redemption that I've been given, this salvation that He has given me, and to share it with other people who are lost and dying on the same road that I was on before He saved me. Going to the same place I was going before He saved me. To be moral and worshipful but not commissioned is not the way Christ has called us to live. He wants us to obey Him. But that's not only in doing the things He's called us to do when it comes to sin and and avoiding the things He's called us to avoid, but obeying Him means going and sharing His good news with a world that is lost and dying. So I would ask you this morning, are you living a commissioned life? Not simply a good life, or even what we might call a Christian life, but are you living a commissioned life before the God of the universe who made you? If not this morning, would you cry out to Him 
And say, God, use me. God, send me, as Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, which we saw in Sunday school just a few weeks, weeks ago. Here am I, send me, Lord. Is that your heart's desire? Are you living a commissioned life? And if not, would you leave here this morning commissioned to go as He has called you? A final thought, our commission endures no matter what comes in this life. No matter if there's a a worldwide pandemic, whether your your heart is broken because of loss in your life, whether you've you've gotten busy because you've got so many things going on and and your kids are doing this or your, your spouse is doing that and things are just so busy, no matter what happens, friends, in life, we have a commission And it endures until the day that Christ calls us home. Are you living the life that He has commissioned you to live? Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the great grace that You have given us in Christ. We we thank You that You love and care for us. That You died to make a way for us to be restored to God. You sent Your Son that in Him we would have life. And so this morning I would just beg of You, God, to impress on the hearts of each person here that they have been called. That You have work for them to do. That there is no passivity among your disciples. God, I pray this morning that you would prepare our heart, prepare our mind for the work ahead, and that you would send us, send us into this community, send us into the world around us. Send us into our schools and send us into our workplaces and send us into our neighborhoods for the purpose of sharing your good news. God, use us for your kingdom. And God, help us to be obedient as we go this morning. Rejoicing in what you've done, but also rejoicing in the commission and work you have ahead of us. Lead and guide our hearts as we praise your name and pray in the name above every name, the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we sing this final song this morning. Are you living a commissioned life? If you're a believer this morning, you have been commissioned by God to go and make disciples in a world that is lost and dying. But let me tell you this, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, there's another call to your life. If you're not a Christian, you say, I've never followed Him, there's a call on your life. God says, not not Pastor Michael says, but God says, you're a sinner. Which means you have no relationship with God. You can't have a relationship with God. You can't do enough stuff to have a relationship with God. But the message isn't depressing. Because if it was yours, you could never do it. 
But God tells us He sent His Son because He loved the world. And if instead of trusting yourself to get to God, trusting your work to get to God, trusting your goodness to get to God, if you will trust that what Christ did on the cross paid for your sin, as crazy as that sounds, that He would do that for you, He did. And He did it for each one of us. And He's calling on you today to turn from following yourself and following your sin and doing it in your own way and turn to Him and put your trust in Him. If you'll do that this morning, He will save you. And He'll give you life that you've never had before. If you're not a believer this morning, I'd love to share with you how to do that. You can come during this time. Friends, if if you're a believer but you're not living a commissioned life, you can come during this time and cry out to God and say, God, God, forgive me for not living the life you've called me to live, but God, send me to do what you would have me to do. God is speaking to you through his word. Respond to him as we sing this morning. Who will call on the hurting, making perfect the song? And who will stand through the ages, giving rest to the Death defeated forever you reign 
Wherever you reign, no other name but the name of Jesus. No other life than the life you gave. The enemy crushed, death defeated. Forever you reign, forever you All right, well, we want to thank you for coming to, to worship this morning, and just, uh, I hope that, that when you go, um, that God will really just continue to work in your heart through this part of His Word, that we have such an important job ahead of us, such a great commission ahead of us, and it's one that we must take with all seriousness. We must embrace um, His his call, uh, because there is such great work we have to do. Uh, as you go, remember that we'll be having um, Sunday school um, for just a few minutes. Everyone is going to stay in here, uh, including the kids, and then uh, you'll be dismissed, and our adults are having a Sunday school in here. Um, and so I hope you'll stay for that. I hope you'll stay as we continue to study uh, God's Word together. Uh, remember tonight, uh, Bible study at 6 o'clock um, back here in the sanctuary as we continue to study uh, through the Bible. And then on Wednesday nights, of course, with our, our adult uh, youth and kids Bible studies going on as well. So I want to pray for us this morning. Again, it's good to see you. If you're visiting with us, glad that you're here uh, with us uh, this morning. And then also, if you haven't been able to be here in a while, uh, we're glad to see you this morning as well. So I want to pray for us and we'll be dismissed and Sunday school will start in just a few minutes here in the sanctuary. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you love us and that you care for us. We, we're so thankful that you have given us hope that we did not deserve. And so as we go from this place, God, I, I pray for each one of us that we would live the life you've called us to live. Uh, not only a, a life where we, we seek to, to do good and avoid evil, not only a, a life where we worship, but God, a life where we go proclaiming who you are, making disciples, making disciples and teaching them to obey all that you have commanded, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son the Holy Spirit, making disciples because we remember that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. 
And for that, we are thankful. For that, we go with boldness because you've given us life. We praise you and thank you as we go. And we pray this morning in the name of Christ. Amen.